You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selick. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. Today's guest is Kate Moreland. She's the CEO and president of the Iowa City Area Development Group, known as ICAD. Kate recently assumed the position of CEO, and she brings unique talents to this position, both from a business perspective and her background in working with nonprofits. We're really trying to create wealth and growth, grow our own companies here through both entrepreneurism and being a supportive ecosystem for new business. We know some of our best success stories are, frankly, businesses that started right here in the area. They're some of our largest employers. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank member FDIC. Hi, this is Tom Stielick. I'm welcoming Kate Moreland today to my new best friend podcast. Kate is the um, CEO and president of ICAD, a uh, local business leader. And uh, Kate, I thought we'd start today with um, maybe telling some of our people, our listeners, what ICAD is and what it does. While some of the business community are familiar with it, you might give us a little background about the background and what it does. Sure. Thanks, Tom, uh, for having me. So back in 1984, ICAD was formed by a small group of business folks uh, who were responding really to a request by uh, a car company called Saturn. I don't know if you remember Saturn. Sure. Um, They were looking to locate a plant here, and some members of the chamber realized they didn't really have a group that was focused on business attraction or being able to meet with companies looking to relocate. And so ICAD was kind of born out of the chamber back in 1984 for that reason. And I love the story because we actually did not get the plant, uh, the Saturn plant. Um, It landed in Nashville, Tennessee. However, um, it is still sitting vacant down in Nashville, Tennessee. And we recently met uh, some folks. I was on a trip uh, for a conference and from that area, and he said, oh, it's the bane of our existence. It sits there empty. Uh, another company bought it, but they won't do anything with the land. And so sometimes when you, when you lose, you win. So, um, but it also was the beginning and the birth of kind of this organization to, to handle business attraction. And, of course, we've evolved over time into doing much more than that. Now, what does ICAD stand for, that acronym? The acronym is the Iowa City Area Development Group. Okay. And then uh, my understanding is over the years, it's sort of, uh, I don't know, its objective purpose may have changed some or broadened out. You might talk about what it was back in the beginning, what it is today, the many things you're doing. Yeah. So I think economic development has has evolved over time, uh, and our organization is no different. We try to adapt to what's happening in the world. And from being an organization that was really designed to just be here if someone came knocking on the door, um, we certainly still 
do that when companies are looking to locate here. But additionally, we're really trying to create wealth and growth, grow our own companies here through both entrepreneurialism and being a supportive ecosystem for new business. We know some of our best success stories are, frankly, businesses that started right here in the area. They're some of our largest employers. You can look at ACT and Pearson and some of the um, IDTs, IDX, some of those that have uh, now become great pillars of our community. And so um, we've really evolved into trying to create growth through local companies. Uh, we do a lot of workforce development work to try to make sure that we have the talent we need here. So a lot of partnerships with education, Kirkwood and the University of Iowa as well. And so, yes, we've definitely broadened our scope um, because economic development has transformed um, into really um, being a place where people can grow, start and grow a company um, where they can find good jobs and, frankly, uh, being a community where people want to live. Yeah, well, it's amazing all the things you're doing. You might give a little summary with the uh, coronavirus, which is you know, showed up here, what, about two months ago, some of the things you're doing now. Yeah, so back when this started a couple months ago, it seems like longer than that, um, we realized early on that there was a lot of information coming at our businesses about both the state and federal response, uh, how they could find some financial relief uh, during this time. And because there was so much information, <clears throat> we started talking with Think Iowa City, the business partnership, and the downtown district about how we might be able to mainstream some of that communication so that people weren't receiving information from all of our organizations. And uh, from that discussion grew this uh, We're All In This Together brand um, that we launched fairly quickly to try to uh, have our communication teams working together on providing uh, information weekly. We started a weekly State of the Community podcast or a webinar uh, for our community members on different topics so that we could keep up to date with not only the health concerns, but the financial information um, and how our cities were responding. So we have several episodes out there um, to try to provide information because things were changing so quickly. Um, we kind of set the schedule in place for a Monday newsletter and then a Wednesday webinar. And those those efforts will continue to evolve as we move into the recovery phase. Well, no, it's been very helpful as a person you're sort of isolated in your own office. It's been very helpful to have that those things available to us. You might give us, too, the background with your connection with Cedar Rapids. I know there's a long-standing relationship with Cedar Rapids um, working together, and that's continuing, right? Sure, yes. Um, so I see the, the brand ICR, Iowa City Cedar Rapids, uh, was launched uh, about three years ago, and um, during that time, uh, we pooled resources around workforce development and business attraction, um, and those efforts are still continuing. Um, a lot of that was outward-facing and external branding and trying to draw people to the area, bringing new business to the area, and for the moment, we are really trying to focus on our local communities. So that workforce work is still continuing. Certainly, we're always here for business attraction. Um, but we're really trying to leverage some of those resources, too, to help our local businesses and connect with them around their needs. Yeah, I think, yeah obviously, we're all in this together. You know, if people want to work in Cedar Rapids, they might live in Johnson County and vice versa or in, in North Liberty. So it's Absolutely. You know, we're sort of we're stuck together no matter what. So that's great to know that relationship is still going on. 
Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to um, uh, where you started and um, how you got to where you're at. I guess I recall you started in North English, Iowa, with a high school class of 35, and um, you might tell us what things you did in high school. Sure. Well, I grew up, obviously, in a very small town, um, small graduating class, and with that came some opportunities, I think, that made me, uh, I think, fairly well-rounded because I had the chance to participate in not just sports, and pretty much every season I played a sport, so basketball, um, track, and golf. I alternated years, um, played softball in the summer, um, but also was able to participate in the musicals and the plays, um, band and choir. And so um, in a small school, you really get the chance to uh, dig in and do a lot of different things. And very small supportive community that I grew up in. Um, and then chose to kind of move away uh, for college. So I went to Creighton University in Omaha for undergrad. And I think I was the only one in my class to leave the state. Uh, so that was kind of a, a big move for me, um, moving to a, a larger city, and um, had a great experience there, and also made the decision to major in psychology and also minor in business administration. Not sure what I was going to do until about my junior year of college uh, with that degree, and I took a class called Psychology and the Law and really found kind of a niche and an interest in the law. My dad was a lawyer growing up, so um, I watched him you know, practice and help people along the way. Um, my mom was a social worker, and so I always say I'm somewhere, a combination of both of them a little bit, and so ended up coming back to law school here at the University of Iowa uh, right after college. Well, good. I, it was interesting on that. I've heard the story about how you met your husband, Joe. You might um, share that story. It's pretty um, pretty interesting. <laughs> well, our our parents were friends growing up. We we never actually met each other as, as kids, but our parents knew each other because our dads were both lawyers, and they had a friendship um, being in different communities, but they didn't know each other. And so when I was looking at law schools, <clears throat> my mom connected with Joe's mom, and suggested that, that Joe give me a tour of the Iowa Law School. And so uh, I had a tour with him, uh, and I'd already, I had actually met his parents at one point. I knew who his brother brothers were, one of them managed Mickey's. So he was kind of the final piece of the puzzle of this family that I knew of. And so he gave me a tour. Um, it lasted about seven hours. We went to the <laughs> Mickey's for lunch, then we went to the sports com, and I beat him in pool, which I like to remind him of. And then uh, that was kind of it. Um, I ended up coming then to law school here, and and we got married my third year of law school. Well, that's a great story. From the law school to downtown Iowa City, that's a you're definitely a local product. Yes, yes. So, so then, stayed. So when you graduated from law school, did you uh, become a real lawyer? I did become a real lawyer. I prosecuted for a couple about three years at the Johnson County Attorney's Office. And I really enjoyed trial work. Um, however, it was a bit stressful. And, and after about three years, I was ready for a change of pace. Uh, we were ready to start a family. And so I went into private practice then with uh, Jay Stein and Catherine Pugh. Um, and I worked, I was telling you, I worked above the Englert Theater uh, in the 
I guess it would have been the early 2000s, and uh, they pop popcorn every afternoon about 3 o'clock because they still showed matinees. Oh, yeah. So it was very difficult to keep yourself from wanting to go down and, and grab popcorn every afternoon. So I can imagine that. That'd be very, that, that was, that was, it really was a, a movie theater before we have the yeah. England as it is, is today. Yeah, we had a little secret door where we could peek out and actually see the screen, too, if we wanted to. <laughs> okay, well, then you um, you mentioned your children. Now you have uh, three children, is that right? Yep, we have three children. I have uh, Our daughter's a sophomore at the University of Minnesota, and our middle son will graduate this year from West High, and he's headed to Iowa State. And then our youngest will be a freshman next year at West High. Oh, great. Okay, so here we are. You're a lawyer, and then you you must, when you had the children, you, made, you took a break, you moved on from the practice of law. So tell us the rest of the story, how you moved on from being a lawyer. Yeah, well, I, at the time, uh, we uh, we were going to have our third child. I was doing very uh, high-conflict divorce work. I represented a lot of kids in divorces. Most of my clients were kids, actually. Um and so they were usually the worst of the worst cases. And, um, after having my own kids and, you know, getting ready to have my third, I just knew as an empath that it was not in my long-term best interest to continue that work. Uh, and so I took some time off. I took about a year off uh, when my youngest was born and started teaching at the law school and enjoyed that. I was just an adjunct uh, teaching one class, um, but it really, I just, kind of reset during that year and started to think about what I wanted to do next. And at the time, I was on a nonprofit board for United Action for Youth, and there was a job opportunity there to do community relations and development. And so they approached me about the position, and it was really kind of a fork in the road for me. Um, but I was ready for something different, and I wanted to really make a difference in the community at large. Um, and so it just felt like the next right step, and that really – kind of pushed me into a different direction, but I certainly feel like I'm a trained advocate that just uses their skills in a different way every day. Um, sure. And from there you went to the school district, is that right? Yes, and then I, I took a position as community relations director for the school district uh, where I worked with the superintendent and principals and really uh, enjoyed my time there. I'm a huge advocate for public education and uh, believe in in uh, that that's a great equalizer in our communities, uh, public education. And so um, from there, uh, took the position with ICAD, which really was a step to be able to work with the community on a variety of issues. So it really changed my lens from just working with education to looking at the community as a whole and trying to assist um, in the area of economic development. So with ICAD, you started there about 2014, right? I started in 2014, yes, with ICAD as the uh, community relations. And Mark Nolte was the was your boss, right? Mark was my boss. He hired me. Um, I actually started off about three-quarter time. That's what they could afford. And um, I was so interested in the position that I, I took it and then eventually became full-time. Yeah. Then you became vice president, is that right? And then, yes, a couple years ago, took on the role of vice president. And... You know, it was um, a good opportunity to to be in more of a leadership role in the organization. We're obviously a small team um, and somewhat of a flat organization, uh, which I've loved. I think it took me all these years to realize I work best in a small team that's 
you know, nimble and, sure. and can make change quickly. Um, I've worked for all sorts of different sizes of, of organizations, but this for me really fits my personality and, and um, I feel like I can make the biggest difference. Oh, great. And then uh, Mark decided to move on and then um, they've named you as the new CEO, right? Correct. So who, who's all part of your team down there? So Tom Banta is our Director of Strategic Growth. Uh, Aaron Potabom is our Administrative Assistant and really is our Operations Person. So she manages our spaces uh, and does our uh, administrative work. And then Liz Hubing is our Communications Director, and she's fantastic local City High grad uh, that stayed and works for our community. Uh, and then right now we have Tim Carty back on the team uh, temporarily to really assist with our existing industry work because we really want to ensure that we're here right now for our local companies. Yeah, so Tim was sort of loaned up to ICR yeah. for a while, right? Correct. Yep. We're good. Well, tell me about the – let's talk about the uh, local economy. I mean, it's a little hard to project at challenging times right now, but if you, if you look out over 12 or 24 months, what do you see ICAD's role and what do you expect for this Johnson County area? Well, we've been talking a lot about uh, how how you prepare for uncertainty. And uh, I think what we've learned just in the short time is that we need to really be agile and flexible and listen. I, I spend a lot of time trying to listen to what uh, the concerns are of businesses and, and our community. Um, and so I'm hopeful that as we move into the recovery phase, we'll really be working with our community and economic development partners to develop a coherent vision for the future. Uh, you know, the word crisis really means to sift. And when that happens, we, we look at what's most important and both individually and collectively, you know, you start to think about what are the priorities and the values. Uh, and based on that, I think we need to create kind of the vision moving forward um, to ensure that our vulnerable businesses, our, our, community members that are most vulnerable, that we're really creating a vision that includes everyone and uh, that our values are represented moving forward. I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, it's certainly not going to be easy, uh, but a huge opportunity to really leverage our assets here. We have a strong healthcare system. Our university is a huge asset, um, strong local retail and restaurants, arts and culture, and a st really strong nonprofit uh, network to care for for others. And so I think this, I, I believe in this place and I believe in the people here. And I think that great things are ahead if we can all work together to, to leverage those assets. Well, that's well put. I do think that I tend to agree with that. I know it's going to be a challenge in the next six months or so, but um, there are just too many positive things about this area as we look forward. I think the opportunities for, you know, more growth and uh, things are is, is is very positive right now. So, well, um, before we wrap up, um, do you have any um, any recommendations or philosophies of, about things you do in your life or business that uh, you want to share with the our listeners? Well, this this past year, I I took a class um, called the Science of Well-Being, and so I've taken some of those nuggets of well-being. Uh, and what really makes you happy, I guess, for my own life. Uh, and um, connection is a big one, connecting with others. 
Um, and so uh, looking at a gratitude practice and things like that. And I, what I think I've learned during the last year is really when we spend time kind of doing the things that make us strong people, we can give more to others. Um, and so as an organization, we're, we're focusing on that right now, too. I think well-being has become something we've, we've suddenly all needed to focus in on. And ironically, it was something I was starting to kind of study, I guess, over the past year. And so um, I've been thinking about how that really does tie into business and, and leadership and being a strong um, leader moving forward. I think um, we all need to focus on our own well-being, certainly our health, um, and support one another uh, along the way because it's, it's been challenging, you know, mentally to, um, to go through this pandemic and, and to worry about your kids and your family's health. And so, um, so yeah, I think for me, that's, that's something that's become important and really has been highlighted over the last two months. No, I agree with that. So I think, well, I'm delighted you're the uh, CEO. I think you're the right person at the right time. And, um, Again, I, I do think um, the future is very, very bright. We have to sort of work together. I think that connecting things is important, too. One of the problems with uh, sheltering in place, which is, I know is important, is we don't see people as much. But that's why you know, we keep do those w w webinars and sharing information by phone and stuff. So, yeah. Well, great. I appreciate it. This has been very, uh, very helpful. And, and I'm looking forward to working with you in the next 6, 12 months in your team. I think... Uh, your leadership has been demonstrated already. So thanks for doing this. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. Mm -hmm.